Good morning. It's my privilege this morning to bring the Bible reading to you. We're reading this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and the first 15 verses. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since we had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as, ex as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to, to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, through, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. And the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Amen. Thank you so much for the reading of that word. Well, welcome one and all. Did you want me to go? We can do that. Just call it quits real early, sing another couple of songs. Well, we are continuing our series this morning on stewardship, and um, I want to apologise to uh, any visitors that we have with us. Obviously, we've got a few visitors with us, and I want to say sorry because... Um, you come into our church and um, the first thing we're going to talk to you about seems to be money. And uh, it's a misconception that that's all that churches talk about. Uh, we usually talk about this once a year. This is the time of year that we are actually talking about it and you just happen to be here. So I want to apologise for that first and foremost. But... Um, I, I, I can't speak for everyone who is here this morning, but I know when someone stands in front of a congregation on a Sunday and speaks about giving, we automatically fault, default to thinking that uh, we're going to be asking about money. And then this morning, I'm going to be talking about generous giving. So the automatic default there is I'm going to be asking for a lot of money. <laughs> I, I, I think that's what happens so very, very frequently. But... That's not what I'm going to be talking about this morning. 
And um, I can come and be confident that um, if that did happen and if you gave in abundance and we exceeded budget, there'd be much celebration in this place. But uh, the thing is, generous giving is not just about money. And the theme of stewardship is one of the most important practical themes that has continued throughout Scripture. And so we should be paying attention to it. And I think for many of us, uh, we overlook or minimise the importance of being good stewards of what we have been blessed with. And what we should realise is that in being good stewards, it's not something else we have to add on to be a Christian. It's not something else that we do. What we need to realise is it's about continuing what we have always done, but it's about doing that in obedience to God and within His will. So whether you're in the workplace, the university, a place of education, your community, your neighbourhoods, whatever, it's about taking myself out of that equation and putting God into it. It's about asking God to be present in whatever you're doing and asking him to take control. Lord, it's no longer about me. It's now about you in each and every situation that I come into. I want your name to be honoured and glorified everywhere I go, everything I do. That is good stewardship. And I have to tell you that I found in my life, the more that I give over to God, the fewer problems I seem to have. And it's not possibly how you think. I'm not preaching a prosperity doctrine, and I do believe that is heresy. It is not in Scripture. I cannot give to God and expect Him to bless me abundantly with financial gain. It's nowhere in Scripture. However, what I have found, my life when I've given to God without thought of my wealth my status me gaining more of whatever when I've given in obedience to him in return I receive peace I receive fulfillment I experience greater hope than I've ever had before I am more confident in my God and his purpose for me and the reason for what is going in my life and I see his hand working in, through and around me more and more as I submit and are obedient and give to him. And it also allows me to know a quiet confidence that regardless of what I face in the here and now or whatever I will face into the future, ultimately I will benefit from it either in this life or the next. Matthew 6.33 tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And speaking about the things that we need in life. And again, that contentment that God gives you, you can be content with whatever you have right now if you're willing to submit to him and his authority. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence and your power that is with us this morning. I thank you for your love, your grace your mercy that you pour out upon us in abundance. And Lord, we come now just to ask for your wisdom. Will you reveal to us the truth of your word? Will you allow us to engage with that, Lord? Will you allow us to want to be changed in order that we draw closer to you, that we are more obedient to you? And more than anything, Lord, let this be your word, not my words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage that we're looking at from 2 Corinthians speaks 
into giving and the motivation that is actually behind doing so. And Paul's writing to the Corinthian church about the pledge to share in the collection for the poor that are actually in Jerusalem. And this is something that Paul spoke to them about 12 months previously. And with this situation is that catalyst that Paul uses to explain the principles of Christian giving. And first and foremost, in order to give and give freely, we need to surrender to the Lord. And I know a lot of people will think that that's a no-brainer, But as Paul begins to instruct the Corinthian church, he tells them about the generosity of the churches in Macedonia. And he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And so Paul takes a little bit of time to talk about the circumstances of the church in Macedonia. And by what he says, they're not a wealthy people. In fact, they could be struggling as far as finance, etc. are concerned. But they gave an abundance and they gave with an abundance of joy. And they gave out of their extreme poverty. And they gave to such an extent that Paul is overwhelmed by their generosity. And he tells us in verse 3 that they gave beyond their means without being coerced. It was something they did of their own accord. And they came begging Paul. Can you believe that? They came begging Paul to allow them to be a part in providing this relief to this church that was suffering. And in the midst of this, they give in a manner that Paul was not expecting. Paul was aware of their situation. He knew they didn't have much. And we can understand that Paul was willing to take what they readily offered. It would have been a small offering, but it would have been one that was given from poverty. And yet in the midst of this, what they gave far exceeded Paul's expectations. He was so excited about what came. And the reason they did this was because they first gave themselves to the Lord. This was a returning to God and His presence. These are a people who considered Paul's request to give to the church in Jerusalem. And in considering that, they went to the Lord and they sought what the Lord would have them to do. They wanted to know what God was going to say. And so they consecrated themselves, if you like. They made themselves sacred. They recommitted themselves to God and said, Lord, we're available for whatever you would have us to do. And it wasn't just about them. They gave of themselves and they gave all their worldly possessions afresh to God and said, Lord, it is not ours. It is used to use for your glory and your purposes. Tell us what to do. That is true consecration to the Lord. That is true commitment to what God is calling us to. They held nothing back. Nothing. They gave to God first themselves and then everything they owned. And they arrived at that point where everything they were, everything they owned was no longer considered theirs. They counted it as God's and they devoted it to him. And when people have that heart and attitude, it's not difficult to release what God's blessed us with for him and his services. Because we've already accepted it's not ours. It's his. He can do what he wants with it. And if he calls us to release it, that's what he's calling us to do. Nothing is held back. And in this case, it resulted in an unexpected and incredibly generous offering. The Macedonians gave themselves first to God and then to Paul and then to the other leaders. They were willing to submit to the direction and guidance that Paul made regarding the contribution. 
The Macedonians followed Paul's direction in this matter, believing that it was God moving them to do so. And Paul sees what happened as a work of God. He could not facilitate that. He could not get those people to do those things. And he rejoices that the Macedonians responded to God's prompting in this way. And they responded because they were motivated by grace. As we consider this generous gift by the Macedonians, we need to reflect again and again on how moved Paul was by the generosity. He was not expecting them to give as abundantly as they did. And we need to realize that Paul didn't use the situation of the Macedonian church to command the Corinthians to give in a like manner either. But he's expressing to the Corinthians in verse 7 that they have excelled in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in love. And he's saying, if this is true, if you've committed yourself to Jesus, if you're following him, if you are saying, Lord, all I have, all I am is yours, then I need you to prove that. I need to see that commitment. I need to see that love of Christ. I want you to show it. I want you to give in a similar manner as what your poorer brothers have done. And the underlying message here is that no one can be induced or commanded to give. But if, if our declaration of faith is earnest, if the love we say we have for Jesus is true, then how we give should prove it. And there's nowhere in the Bible that prescribes how much Christians should give. There's some pretty good guidelines, and uh, I think that 10% is a very good starting place. But uh, I'm warning you now, don't ever come to me and tell me that you give the biblical tithe. If you come to me and say you give the biblical tithe, I'm going to take it for granted that you're giving 23 and one third percent of your gross income to the church because that's scriptural. That's what the Bible says. Did you know that? We've conjured up 10% from somewhere. That's only one tithe. There was actually three tithes. So it comes to 23 and a third percent. Are we giving that? Don't put your hands up. But the thing is, there, there is no percentage that we should be giving. And it's what God lays upon your heart. And the thing is, if we give that 10%, that's an incredibly good starting place. And, and if people ask me how to give us a look, just start with 10%. See where God leads you from there. That's, that's what I believe is the bare minimum because uh, all that I have is God's and he's blessed me so abundantly. And, but what we should do is we should give in response to what God's given us. We should give in response to what we've seen him do for us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty may become rich. And you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think we get this. I don't think I get this. Jesus had everything. He was the richest and rich in the things that really mattered. He was all-powerful, almighty, all-present, all-good, and so many other things. The list could just go on and on when we talk about Jesus. Think about who he is. He is enthroned in inapproachable light. He was praised by millions and millions of angels. And he was praised not because they feared that he was going to beat up on them or force them to do it. He was praised because of who he was. His very nature demanded praise because of who Jesus was. He was the creator of all things. He is the Alpha and Omega. He holds all things together. And he emptied himself of all of that. He gave all of that up. He laid it aside and he made himself poor. He made himself vulnerable. As a baby, we say, 
Ladies and gentlemen, he was more vulnerable than that. He was placed in the womb of a woman. The most vulnerable place for a child to be this day. And he did that. Making himself nothing so I could be rich. So you could be rich. And we are here today because of that act. We are here today because of what he did. Because he left his riches. He gave me a life that is so much better than I could hope or dream of. And it isn't just for my time here on earth. It's for all of eternity. I've got to tell you, that's absolutely awesome. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. And this is the promise of God that we'll experience the joy of being fellow heirs with Christ. This is an inheritance that is waiting for us. We will experience his glory and we will be adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. Ladies, don't be offended when it says adopted sons. It is speaking to the women as well in Scripture. But the reason why it says adopted sons is because in that day and age, it was only the sons who inherited. And when you look at the Greeks, including the women in that, but you have the same rights as women. You are going to inherit just as a son would inherit in that day and age. That's why it says the son. Okay, so we are adopted sons, all of us. We have the same rights and privileges that Jesus Christ will have. And we're going to be in glory with him. No more heartache. No more pain, no more sin, no more suffering, no more questions, no more doubt. Are you looking forward to that? I think that's something worth celebrating. I think that is absolutely mind-blowing. And this is why he came, that we could have that life. And there's more to it than just that. We are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're going to get all that. It's already there waiting for us. And we experience so much now in this day and age. And it's so much better than if we were adopted by the most powerful and influential people upon this earth. Amen. That's my experience anyway. I absolutely love where I am right now. And there's no place I'd rather be. No place. And the call here is clear. Jesus was willing to empty himself of all he had, all he was, in order to show us first and foremost his incredible love for us. He gave everything up in order that he could save us. And he could bring us back into a right relationship with God. And this was his incredible act of grace, God's undeserved favour upon us. But you know what? We, as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who call him our Lord and Saviour, are called his ambassadors. He has his hand upon us and he says, I endorse you as my representative on this earth. Live as you should before men so they see me. That's what we're called to do. We are his ambassadors. And so the call upon us, our ambassadors, to represent him on earth, he sacrificed all he had. He emptied himself of all he was in order to bring God into our lives, and we are called to do the same. It's really that simple. And if we understand all that Jesus has done for us, we should have a desire to empty ourselves of all things. Anything that hinders us from being all we can be for him. And when I do... 
I'd have no problem in being generous because I acknowledge and I realize everything I have, those things that I used to hold close to me, have no eternal value and they're not mine anyway. They're God's. He blessed me with them and I'm releasing them into his hands. The thing is, it's not easy, is it? It requires faith. I think the word faith is one of those words we throw around a bit as Christians. It seems to have become a bit of a band-aid for any and all situations. If someone comes to you and they're struggling, it's like, oh, brother, you need a bit more faith. If someone comes to you and they're having trouble finding work, it's like, mate, you need a bit more faith. If someone has been praying and they don't believe their prayers are being answered, it's like, mate, all you need is faith. Anyone ever done that to you? I used to get it all the time. It's just mind-blowing that we do things like this and we say things that are totally unhelpful. They don't help anyone. But when we speak about faith, we're speaking about a complete trust and confidence in God for all things. We believe and trust him for everything. And Paul petitions the Corinthian church and he says, and in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also designed to do it. This benefits you. That's what Paul is saying. Paul has earlier said that the Corinthians had excelled in everything. How much more should they excel in the generosity of giving? Why aren't we generous when it comes to giving? And I think it's because we struggle with trusting that God will provide for us. We live in the Western world. And you've seen me put up the global rich list. If you don't know the global rich list, Google it. Put in how much you earn in Australia. I'll guarantee you're in the top 8% most wealthiest people in the world. Top 8%. There's no doubt. And we say we're not rich. We say we're struggling. You know, when I had no income, and I mean no income, and I didn't know where the next meal was coming from, I still had the ability to go to a hospital in Australia and be seen by qualified doctors for absolutely nothing. If I collapsed on the street and I needed help getting to that hospital, I had an ambulance service which would come along and pick me up and take me to that hospital for absolutely nothing. We have things in place in Australia where we, if we don't have employment, if we don't have income at all, we can actually get that. We are abundantly blessed in this country. We are rich. It's just... We look around and we see others who've got more than us and we think we're not. And so it's that desire for more that causes us to not trust God. And uh, I don't know how much I've told you about my past. But I did have a stage in my life where um, I had nothing. I didn't qualify for unemployment benefits and I had no money. I was severely in debt. I'd actually filled out the bankruptcy papers to try and get some ease from my debts. But I had that tension and that struggle between honouring my debts and, and um, actually just calling them quits and starting again. And so I believe God told me that I had to work through this. I had debt collectors phoning me regularly. I had debt collectors knocking on the door. And I had no means of paying my debts. 
And to tell you how stupid it was, uh, there was one loan in particular was $28,000. And uh, I'd get the bank phone me and they'd say, have you got anything you can give us this week? And I'd say, I, I got five bucks spare. And they'd be like, you'll bring that five bucks in? And I said, yeah, okay, I'll bring that five bucks in. So I walked into town and I, I gave them that five bucks. And you know, a bit later on, they'd phone again. They'd say, hey, what have you got spare this week? And I'd say, I got five bucks. They say, will you bring that five bucks in? I said, yeah, I'll come in tomorrow. I'll bring that five bucks in. I walk in and give them that five bucks. And, and uh, you know, it, it was a terrible time. I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't buy food. I, I just had nothing. And so people would come and they, they, would, they would give me food. I remember uh, this car pulled up outside my place once and horn beeping. And I went out and this woman just hands out a window, this massive chicken, apricot chicken casserole. And I was like... Wow, that's a week of food. How cool is that? Oh, God is so good. And I took that inside and I was celebrating. I was like, man, I'm going to eat well for a week. How cool is this? And this guy turned up. He needed a meal. Oh, man, he could eat. <laughs> the whole lot went. And, you know, I, I, I was like, oh, God, come on. This was my food. This and I gave back, and it's all gone. But he provided anyway. You know that guy? Unbeknownst to me, took some of my bills and paid them because of my generosity to him in my poverty. And you know, God turned things around for me. It's an incredible story. And uh, I managed to pay off most of my debts. And I remember going in, and I, I, that $28,000 loan, I remember going in with the last payment. That was a good feeling. That was such a good feeling. And I went in, and I paid that last payment. And I said, I'm thinking that I've got a very bad credit rating with you. And the guy said, are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, man. I said, I defaulted on this loan so many times. And he said, you didn't default. He spun the screen around, said he would pay $5, paid $5 said he would pay $10, paid $10. And all these stupid figures right down the screen, which were insignificant and yet spoke volumes to them that I wanted to pay this loan. I never in my life have had a problem with a loan. I've never been blacklisted and I was this close to blowing it. That's God. And he didn't give me $28,000. He didn't give me all the money I needed. He didn't give me what I needed to survive. Oh, sorry, he did. He gave me what I needed to survive, but not by man's standards. And it was an incredible period of time for me. And yes, I've been at that end and I've been at the other end. We earned obscene money when I was in real estate, when Elena was in um, dentistry, when we owned our business. But because of this... I handled this very differently and we gave and we gave and we gave and God just blessed us and it was an incredible thing and now we're pastoring and Elena's working with oral health and uh, we have what we have and we are so incredibly thankful for the abundance of blessing that he's poured out upon us and you know our house is open, anyone can walk in any time. And uh, you're most welcome. And I'm sorry I got very sidetracked there, so I've got to spend some time working out how I'm going to get back to the subject. Paul has said earlier to the Corinthian church that they have excelled in everything. They have excelled in um, their love and everything like that. And we struggle to excel in generous giving because 
We don't trust God. And Paul says regarding this matter, this offering, this offering that you're going to make, it's going to benefit you. And there's this mention that if they give in their abundance now, if they're in need at another time, there's a, ch- a chance that that will be returned to them by some others. But that's not the primary reason Paul was saying this. It's not the primary reason why he said that the Corinthians would benefit. All along, he's asked them to consider Jesus and his grace towards them and his willingness to leave all he has and had for them. And he says, don't give under compulsion. I'm saying the same thing to you. Don't give because you have to. Don't give because you feel guilty. Because God is concerned very much for their heart attitude of people. He wants people to give in abundance. He wants them to give well. But he wants to give as each person has decided. And he wants them to give not reluctantly or under compulsion because he loves a cheerful giver. He wants it to be a joy for us. He wants it to be in response of what Christ has first done for us. And we need to give out of love and joy. We need to give cheerfully. And why wouldn't we? Because God is just asking for us to return to him what was rightfully his anyway. And we need to realize that when we give bountifully, God gives bountifully. And God gives more so we can be more of a giver. God blessed me with a little and then he blessed me with a lot. And I just gave more because I knew the blessings that God had given me. And it's not just speaking financially. We can't give a dollar to God and expect him to give $2 back. That is heresy if anyone is proclaiming that. But we have to have this attitude that all we are, all we have is his. And we're willing to release it into his hands, anything and everything, in order to see his name honoured and glorified. In order for us to be obedient to his promptings and his call. And I can tell you, God has never failed me, ever. He's never failed Elena and I. And when we've been willing to give whatever he's asked us to, he's always given back. But the greatest thing he's given us is the confidence that we are living in his will right now. That's the greatest blessing God's ever given us. In the heartache and the struggles, in all the opposition that we have faced here in this place, There's no place we'd rather be because of the confidence that God gives us that this is his will and purpose for us right now. And I've got to tell you, I don't want that to sound doom and gloom. You know some of the struggles. And I've got to tell you, I came back from holidays. I was so excited about coming back to church. I said to Lana, I said, I'm actually excited about going back to SDBC. This is going to be an awesome Sunday. And I came back to church that Sunday and it was an awesome Sunday. I went to all three services again. I was just like, can this get any better? And then I came to Sunday evening service. I mean... That was an awesome service. Hey, yeah, someone's got their thumbs up. They know what I'm talking about. It was mind-blowing. I just couldn't believe how good it was. God is so good. And when we're in the midst of his will, you know it. And you get excited about it. And those of you who spend time with me, you know I get excited about God and his purposes and his will and his word. And I want everyone to get it. The reality is, so what? What's this mean for you? And... I want you right now, if you will, just bow your heads. You don't have to. I'm not one of these people. We're going to talk to Jesus. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I don't do that. And that's not what we're doing right now anyway. I just want you to bow your heads because I want you to think about some stuff. I I want you to think about how you give to God. I want you to ask yourself, in light of all Jesus did, are you generous in your giving?
when you think about what Jesus left, what he endured when he was on this earth for you, for me. Are you generous in like manner? He gave up so much, making himself poor, making himself nothing so I could be rich. How do you respond to that? As I said earlier, when we're talking about giving, although this was primarily financial that Paul was speaking of, it's not just about finances. So I want you to ask, ask yourself, are you generous with your time? Do you give God your time? Have you made an appointment with him that you keep with him each and every day? When you think about your gifts, your talents and your abilities, have you given those to him? Are you using them for his glory, for his purposes? When we think about the income we have, regardless of how you get that, Have you given that to him, regardless of how much or how little that is? Have you said, Lord, this is yours? Have you given the Lord your job? And you've said, Lord, I haven't honoured you in my workplace, but I want you in there now. I want you to be a part of my workplace. I want your name to be honoured and glorified through me in that place. Have you given him your family, your children? We saw a dedication this morning. It's about giving our kids daily to Christ. It's about so valuing him in our lives that we want to see that same thing in our children. It's about even now with our young kids praying that God will bring godly men and women into their lives so that they will continue to live godly lives. Have you given your family to God? Those who are serving him now, those who don't know him, are you giving them to him? And your hopes, your dreams and your desires, those things that you believe you should be doing in life, have you said, Lord, if that's not what you want me to do, I'll lay them at your feet. It is yours, Lord. My life is yours. Do with it what you will. I had one young lady in particular in my last church. She was an actress and she believed that's what God wanted her to do. And I challenged her about that. I said, have you given that to God? And she gave it to God. She submitted to him. She released it into his hands. She's now a chaplain, loving every minute of what she's doing. Think about your offering. Have you given him an offering that's worthy of him? Wherever you worship him on a regular basis, the place you call your spiritual home, the church you attend, do you give financially to that church? That is the church of Jesus Christ. He died for that church. The church is his bride. Are you honouring the bride of Christ in what you give? And as you've thought about those things, has God pointed out anything to you that perhaps you haven't given to him that you should? 
Because I can stand here week in, week out. And if you do nothing, I'm wasting my time. I might as well go back to auctioneering. I can't make you change. There's nothing I can say or do that will make that happen. But as we've seen in this passage today, when Paul challenged the Macedonians, they went first to God. Are you willing to humble yourself before God this morning? Are you willing to come and consecrate everything, everything you are, everything you have to God for his use and purpose? If he's laid that on your heart this morning, if he's challenged you in any area, that's what you need to do. And there's no embarrassment in that. There's celebration in heaven as you give yourself over to him. Those of us who attend SDBC, I want you to think about where we are as a people here in this place. And so many of you are very, very supportive of the leadership of this church. And I want to thank you first and foremost for that. I want to thank you to those of you who are beginning to send me and tell me good news stories. I love getting those stories. You know that. I love seeing that God is working in your lives. But I've got to be honest, I want more. I want this to be something that just overflows from this place. I want us to think about what we can do to serve God in this place right now. Do you know if each and every one of us did one thing and did it well, we would have no positions vacant in this church. We would have an abundance of people serving. We would have a joy here that we have not experienced because we would all be united in the purpose of God in this place. And for our visitors, that goes for you in your churches as well. Serve where you are. God is stirring hearts in this place. And we're seeing more and more people being raised up to take on roles that have been vacant for a while. And God's slotting the right people into those roles. If this is your spiritual home, then you should support it financially, but you should also support it by serving here. It's what we're called to do as people of God. I want you to ask God if he wants you to release more of what he's blessed you with to the church, to mission, to sponsor a child, to a local outreach, whatever. I want you to ask God that. We must be a people of action. We must be generous in giving. And that can only happen if first, first and foremost, we sacrificially give ourselves to Christ. And he could be calling you to do that again this morning. Do not turn away from that. Respond to him. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for your love, your grace, your power that you pour out upon us so freely. I want to thank you, Lord, that you gave up everything you were, everything you had, so you could come into this world at the greatest risk. Poor Lord, so you could reach me, so you could reach us. And Lord, I pray, I pray for myself for a more generous heart. I pray for each of us gathered here that we'll have a more generous heart, that we'll have a desire to willingly release all we are, all we have to you for your glory and for your purposes. And Lord, that's not saying we have to sell everything. That's saying, Lord, it's here for you to use any way you choose. And I'm a willing instrument in your hands. Lord, I know you've spoken to people this morning. Your word never returns void. Will you continue to hassle those people? Will you continue to stir their hearts and their minds? And Lord, if necessary, will you bring them forward this morning after the service so we can pray and encourage them and challenge them to live for you? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up again to offer our...
heart to Jesus.